Hi. So you're so far back. <laughs> I hate that, don't you? I always think it's so artificial. I think the only thing I can think of in terms of pulpit preaching is from Ezra, right? Where he stood there and they, and, but those people stood the whole time. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, the whole time they stood. Uh, nice to be here. Haven't been here in a long, long time. Uh, <clears throat> my wife and I moved here in uh, 1980 from Chicago, Illinois. And uh, then we started doing open-air evangelism in New York City for a good, good many years. And uh, I think we, you were telling me I did a VBS here. Yeah, VBS, right? I think it was. Yep. Sorry? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that was almost 40 years ago. Oh, man, I'm a geezer. <laughs> I'm getting the geezer in the geezer land. I'm, I'm the, wow, that's really something. And I think to myself as I, as, as we've been here, um, and we lived here till 1985, fall of 85, then moved to Southern California and was there for five years, then moved to Michigan and been there almost 20, I mean almost 30 and uh, it's so it's it's an interesting interesting trek the Lord has take us taken us through. How about you? You too? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you young whippersnappers, uh, you get uh, don't you hate that? Nobody uses that term anymore, whippersnapper. You know, and a police officer would never use that whippersnapper. Never, <laughs> never use that. Come here, I'm pulling you over. Hey, you whippersnapper. Nobody ever uses that. Nobody does. Nobody ever uses that anymore. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's been a long time. And I don't, you know, some people say to me, you know, you're old. In fact, I was in California. We were in California last weekend. And uh, I was preaching at Claremont Bible Chapel. And I hadn't seen a person, uh, uh, this lady, I don't know, 30-some years. And she said to me, she goes, you're looking old. What happened to your hair? Didn't you have black hair? I never had black hair. So she's thinking of somebody else. That's what she's doing. I'm looking old. Why I oughta? I tell you right now. I I mean that just. I tell you right. Oh man. So I mean anyway. I, I get I got really offended, and uh, I really did. It was really disgusting. Uh, what's that? That makes you modern if you get offended. Yeah, that's right. Me too hashtag okay or a hashtag me too okay so that's that's it <laughs> uh, that's the that's the name of the game is be offended yeah okay so I, I think to myself as the Lord has taken us through I I'm I'm older I'm, I'm older but I don't think old uh, that's really going to come out <laughs> if you get up and leave I understand <laughs> If you go up and, man, the guy is not mature one second. In fact, he's digressed. He's not even mature in any shape. You know, oh, I, he's just horrible. Uh, but that's okay. I'd rather digress in that regard. You ever see somebody is like stick in the mud? Eh, hey, something to see you. 
It's terrible. It's just, I, I never laugh. Never, never. You never laugh. You never have fun. Never. It's terrible. Well, I'm not your kind of friend then. <laughs> because I, we have, we have uh, I think you can be, you know, it, doesn't it say in the Bible someplace, blessed is the man that walketh not in the, un- right? Blessed is the man. Psalm 1 1, actually, right? You know what that means in the Hebrew? Because the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew. It means Ashir, oh, how very happy. I always think that people that look like they've been weaned on lemons, you know, and they call themselves Christian, they got lemon lips, and it's, you know, I never laugh, never crack a smile. I think that there's something wrong. You know, I think that there's something wrong in terms of their Christianity because when, when I know that I've been forgiven of my sin and I know that he is coming again for me and I know that I am a home in heaven and God has provided for me throughout the years in every way, even when I didn't want him to, even when he has done for me when I have never even thought about it and he's just put it in my lap. That's the kind of God we have. How could we be grumpy? I was driving to East Lansing. I live in Michigan. My wife and I live in Michigan. And uh, I drive to East Lansing, which is about an hour and a half from where I live. I live in Richmond, Michigan. Oh, yeah, two miles square. It's about 3,000 people. That's about it. And uh, that's just this block, right? No, I'm only kidding. And um, so I'm, I'm driving, and <laughs> it was really, I love this. Some kid risked his life to spray paint on the side of a bridge. Yeah. Adrian's mom is a grump. <laughs> That's what's on the side. I laughed, I laughed for 60 miles. I, I thought that was so funny. Adrian's mom is a grump. I'm thinking, some kid risked his life... That Adrian's mom must have been a real grump for that guy to hang. Adrian's mom going to get her. You know, she's going to work right past underneath this bridge. You know, it was really something. So it's good to be here again. Thank you so much for uh, allowing uh, a poor person like me to come here. And I really appreciate it. Uh, we, like I said, we just lived right down the street on Front Street. Then we moved over to Sanford Avenue. And I did not... What? What? You? It's over here. It's over that way. Thank you, Miss Rand McNally. Let's give her appreciation. <laughs> okay, so it's just really, it's it's just really good to be here in this area <laughs> again, and it's it's been a long time. I mean, it's. Uh, I was telling somebody we, you know, being in New Jersey. I was telling Casey. Uh, we have family. Do you have family in the area? Well, my, my uh, I mean, it's, you know, New Short Hills, uh, Jersey City, Weehawken, uh, et cetera. My, great, my grandfather graduated from Stevens in 1911. And uh, my father graduated from Stevens in 1949. And that ended that one. And uh, uh, Stevens Institute of Technology, right? And... Um, so when we graduated, my wife and I both graduated from Moody Bible Institute, and we were married prior to going to Moody, and we came here after graduation and to preach on the streets of New York and the whole region. 
and uh, did and has continued to do that kind of ministry in Los Angeles and where we live now. We started a ministry called the Ezekiel Project. And uh, the Ezekiel Project is a ministry in which we train people how to do open-air evangelism. It's really interesting. Uh, I remember this high schooler that came and and, uh, took our seminar on open-air evangelism. This is years ago. And uh, we've been friends ever since. His name is Ken Barrett. And uh, Ken took it in Newark, New Jersey. And uh, we did a lot. We've done a lot of open-air evangelism together. That guy's one of the finest men I have ever met. Ken Barrett. Absolutely. Absolutely one of the finest guys. And Rose, she witnessed to a lamppost. You know, Rose Barrett can just, I mean, you know, just boom, right there. And, uh, oh, dear, you're really good. I love that girl. You know, she's tremendous. You know, it's just tremendous friends. And um, so that's what we've, we've been doing this. Uh, Ken is a chairman of our board for the Ezekiel Project. And uh, what we do is we train people in open-air evangelism all over the United States, and as well as we have a school of evangelism. And it's a nine-month college level, and some of it's post-grad. Uh, level material. It doesn't transfer anywhere except the, hi- the head and the street. And uh, that's, that's where it goes. That's where it, but it is pretty tough. It is a tough thing and it's tuition free. Uh, we have two years each nine month segments and, uh, and that's what we've been doing for, for a while now. Some 20, 20, 20 to 25 years. And uh, so... And that's an update on me. I'm still as ugly as all get out. And uh, that's where you have to really depend on God, right? Because it can't be looks that'll do it for you and, uh, and, and anything else. It has to be the Lord, that's for sure. You know, and I've, I've, we've done a lot of open-air evangelism on college campuses, uh, Michigan State University, University of Michigan, Rutgers, NYU, Columbia, UCLA, Berkeley, uh, UGA, that would be University of Georgia, um, uh, etc., all over the place, Alabama, etc., different places, right? Right. Um, Yeah. Every time I talk to people, whether it's in a subway in New York City or at a subway in Chicago or on the streets of both cities or Los Angeles or whatever, I have never found anybody, any time, that could give me some about somebody or anything that could top God. No, 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 nowhere, nowhere. I double dog people. I double dog dare people and triple dog dare people to show me any evidence whatsoever that Jesus Christ never rose again from the dead. How's that one for you? We're talking some of the best universities in the world, or so they say. You know, never. Not once. I mean, not once. 40, 40, let's see, 44 years of open-air evangelism, I've not one time, not once, not even close, one time, has anybody ever come up and said, you know, I can disprove 
Christianity by disproving that Jesus rose again from the dead. I just want to tell you today there is no other. There is no other. And so sometimes we think, well, Christianity, Christianity is uh, some kind of thing. This is what you believe, and we're in this age of pluralistic, I don't even know what that means. I think that's more than one. And uh, uh, pluralistic tolerance. Everybody's got to be tolerant of everything, and you can't talk bad about this guy's religion or whatever. Uh, I listened to what Jesus had to say when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other. There is no other. And I want us to look at Psalm 139 this morning, if you don't mind. Psalm 139, well, it doesn't matter if you mind. We're still going to do it. Oh, I object. I wanted to. Psalm 139. And uh, we're going to look at a, we're going to look at, uh, they told me we got till one o'clock, so that's great. Uh, they, you know, David wrote this, I'm just kidding, don't, don't get real nervous about it. But uh, David says this, David, King David, wrote this, and he really, what he's going to do is he's going to show us four attributes, four attributes um, Two, he's going to show us four attributes in explaining his relationship with God. Four attributes of God in explaining his relationship with God. So if we were totally blind, let's say all of us were stone blind. We could not see a thing. It's just nothing. We can't, no shadows, no nothing. Boom, blind. Right? Let's just, let's just talk about that. And we were here. Boom, we're all blind. How would we judge each other? How would we know about each other? We would know by the character of a person. That right? Not how pretty they are. Not how ugly they are. Not the size of the person. But you would go by the character of the person. Isn't that right? Were they kind? Were they loving? Were they rascals? Were they soft-spoken? Where, how, what, what kind of person would they be? That is called character or an attribute. And so when we look at an attribute, we're going to look at the three omnis plus one. We're going to look at the three omnis. What makes God, God? I mean, what makes God, God? I mean, you know, you say, well, I believe in God. Well, that's great. What, what, what God are you talking about? Because there's really no other There really is no other God, and we're going to explain that really clearly, hopefully, because we're going to look at four attributes uh, in David's relationship with God. He's going to explain four attributes of God in his explanation about his relationship with God. And the first one we're going to look at is Psalm 139. That was I really appreciate your reading that, bro. Thank you so much. And... uh, we can look in verses 1 through 6. We're going to look at the all-knowing God. How's that one for you? Or the omniscient. All, omni means all. Just, I love these guys. They're like brilliant. Omniscient. And so intelligent because I can actually say that. Omniscient. Science literally means knowledge. And omni means all. All-knowing omniscient. Ain't that a kicker? 
And um, so we look at this, and we, and we see that in verses 1 through 6. And 7 through 12, we see the all-present God, or omni-all-presence, omnipresence. And then in verses 13 through 18, we see the all-powerful God, the omnipotence, potency, potency, omnipotent power, omnipotence. And then I thought I made this up and I was hoping to get the Nobel Prize for making words up. And I thought this would really be cool. I, I had the all-holy God or omniholiness. I thought I'm going to make this is going to be cool. I'll be famous in the Christian circles. Theological Christian circles. You know, the egghead. Yes, he's brilliant. He's just brilliant. Um, the holiness. That's incredible. Nobody ever thought of until I read it in a theological book and that blew my bubble. You know, that blew uh, all holy God. And we see that in the balance, 19 through 24. David shows us the attribute of the all-knowing or omniscient God. That's something else. Notice what it says. It says here, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou hast known my downsitting, my uprising. Thou understand my thoughts afar off. Oh, they're scary for you. That's scary for you. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before it laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Whither I shall flee from your presence? But when we look at this, his omniscience means this. It means... He knows my total personhood. Ain't that a kicker? So I shave, I'm going to shave that gray right off of my head. That used to be an old song. Uh, gonna, uh, anyway, forget it. You know, but he knows how many hairs I would have had. You know, He knows how many hairs I do have. He knows it all. I mean, he knows this. He knows my total personhood. He knows me so intimately, he knows all about me. And it's not, he does not do this. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. He doesn't do that. He already knows all about you. He doesn't have that. He's got it, he totally knows you. He totally knows your personhood. He knows everything there is to know about you. And here's the kicker, you ready for this? You ready for this? This is scary. He's known it since the foundation of the world. Yeah. Wrap, I love that new, it's a new thing. Wrap my mind around it, right? Wrap my mind around it. Well, let me tell you something. Wrap your mind around that. You can't. You can't wrap your mind around Why? Because my mind, you know, somebody said, well, we did an MRI of your brain and we found nothing. You know, and I'm going, no, that's true. You know, it's like this big, you know, it's a pee thing. I mean, you know, one of those little ding, ding, ding. In the brain, you can hear it rattle and all that kind of stuff. And you look at that and you say, okay, so it's finite. In other words, it, it, it's, it has limitations. We cannot wrap our mind around it. We just know what God has shown us. 
You know, when, when Moses, do you remember the movie, The Ten Commandments? Do you remember the movie? Okay, so do you remember when, when Moses was uh, with the, uh, um, Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, right? He's tending the, tending the cattle and the sheep. And, I, and he sees this bush in yonder hill. He sees this bush, and it's burning but not being consumed. He goes and checks it out. And a voice comes from that, and he tells him to take off his sandals because he is on holy ground. And so he starts talking to this voice, and it's, it's God, it's a vo- the voice of God. And God is talking to him, and he says, Schroeder, loose paraphrase from the Hebrew, you're going to, I want you to go and deliver my children from Egypt. I want you to do this. And so he, what does he do? He's, and he asks some good questions. He goes, okay, um, really? Yeah, I want you to do this. And he says, okay, how are they going to know that you sent me? I am that I am. And thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Exodus 3.14. Now the Lord Jesus, a side note, the Lord Jesus claims that title, the I am. The Jew understood exactly what he was talking about, that he was claiming to be God. John chapter 8. And so he, he, he knows that, he knows that you know, they were claiming to be God. But going back to the I am, the Hebrew definition of the I am is literally this. The self-existent one who reveals himself. How do we know anything about God? Except that God has revealed himself. And how has he revealed himself? He's revealed, as, as Hebrews chapter 1 tells us, through, his, through the prophets and through the Word and through his Son. The living Word. And so we see this, and this is what's so important to me about the Word of God, the Bible, is that it's, it, God has revealed himself to us. And how has he revealed himself to us? He is revealing himself to us that he knows everything there is to know about you. And think about this one. Here's a killer. Back in 1979, there was about 3 billion people on the planet. Now it's almost 8. We're working towards 8. Just exponential, right? (laughs) Keeps going. We keep reproducing as a a race. We just keep going. And so it's almost 8 billion, 7 plus, whatever, and uh, <clears throat> that's a lot of people, you know, four more, more than, uh, than was uh, 1979. And it's just amazing, it's, and the beat goes on. And we look at this, and he knows every, everybody, he knows them intimately. This is the knowledge of God, and he doesn't ever acquire it. He's always known it. How's that one for you? He's always known it. His knowledge of that doesn't make him make us do things because we have a free will. He doesn't make us, because God knows, doesn't make, therefore he has to plan it all out. No. But he does know. He doesn't make us do that. And the beautiful thing about this is he's known my total personhood. Look at verse 2. You, you know my downsittings, my uprising. You understand my thought. My thought afar off. Now that, 
is scary. You might be thinking right now, what? Who, who got this guy to come here today? Who's, who is he? Who got him? I, I got a complaint. There he is. You know, who got him here? I, I, that, don't ever have him. I mean, that could be your thought or, you know, whatever your thoughts are. I don't know that. Well, first of all, I'm not God. But he knows it. He knows our thoughts. Do you remember what Jesus said to those guys who thought they were really cool? They thought they were not that sinful. He said, if you look on a woman to lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So God knows what's in the heart. He knows not only what's in the mind, he knows what's in the heart. He knows the interaction of all those thoughts and your giving willing credence to those thoughts. That's when sin becomes sin. It's not, the, it's not the lust that's the issue. The issue is we get the temptation, correct? But when we mix our will with that lust, we've, tr- we've crossed the line in sin. So we haven't maybe done it, maybe done the action of adultery or murder or whatever. We haven't shot the person, but in our hearts we've already done it. And God knows that. Ain't that a kicker? And a lot of times, we'll, we'll leave today. And we'll go to different places. You know, I'm going to a wedding. Kenny's daughter is getting married. You know, and I'm going to that wedding. And, and I remember when Rachel was, I called her Ray Ray. I remember when she was getting, when she was born. I mean, Rose had her. I mean, it's amazing. I remember when Rose and Kenny were dating. You know, and before Jonathan and Rachel and all this kind of stuff. So, I remember all that stuff, right? God knows everything about that. He knows my thoughts far off. Um, We go different places. You might feel, when we dismiss today, you might feel that nobody cares. That nobody thought about you. They're all alone. That's what you might think. Is that possible? Yeah. Absolutely possible. You might go home and put that TV on because you don't want to hear silence. You want to hear voices. God knows. God knows all about that. This is the beauty. There's no other God like our God. There is no other God like our God. And when we look at this, he knows our total person health, personhood. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you knowest all together. You know it all together. And then he not only knows my total personhood, he knows my physical state. How many of you ever get afraid? Oh man, come on. Suck this up. Yeah. Oh, not me, man. I don't ever get afraid. Well, you don't live in the New York area. You must have flown in last night. Okay, so he knows our physical state. You compassed my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind and before it laid thy hand upon me. 
I was doing some open air work. Um, we had Word of Life Bible Institute students come down from the Anirondacks. And uh, they would send down 20, 24 to 28. That included the chaperones, right? And we would do open air. They'd be down for 10 days uh, in the fall, 10 days in the spring. And so we would do some open air. <clears throat> and I had this one guy, and he was half black, half Hispanic, raised in Harlem. One of the original guardian angels. Now, you understand who that, they were, right? The guardian angels with Curtis Sliwa. And uh, so... And uh, so this guy's name was Tony. Great guy. Just a tremendous guy. And knew what to do. One of the guys that originally, I mean, trained in karate and all this kind of stuff. One of the other guardian angels, original guardian angels, led Tony to Christ. And then he went on to Word of Life Bible Institute to get some training. Right? Just a tremendous guy. So what we did in the open air, we were going in the subways. It was a cold day. We were going in the subways, and we'd pair them off, guy, girl, guy, girl, guy, girl, not for dating purposes, but for just for safety, right? And we, some, some of these girls that we would get that come to, you know, come to us from Word of Life, they're like from Iowa. I mean, are you kidding me, you know? I mean, from Iowa, Idaho, I mean, you know, just, just amazing. Nobody ever saw in New York, they'd be like... <laughs> just amazing and it has that effect on people so i'm standing there watching the whole team so i got our evangelists and our our guys with these so we got about 30 35 people and i'm hovering over like a mother hen type of thing and i'm standing there and i see this guy about as big as me i'm six five and a half he's about as tall as me and he has got this boonie hat you know, like military boonie hat and military jacket on, camoed. And he is telling this girl who has never been in New York before what he's going to do to her sexually. Yeah, it was not a good thing. But Tony was so smooth. He was, she was his part, bad, bad move on this guy's part. Tony comes up and puts his arm now, we're not doing the dating thing, but when he was sending a signal to this guy, he goes to her and he goes, you're not touching her. And he puts his arm around her. He says, you're not. I mean, and Tony could take care of himself. No questions about it. Yeah, I mean, no questions about it. So he puts his arm around her and he says, you're not touching her. So I'm going, okay, I know Tony's got control of this. this everything is good. Uh, you know, we're good. Don't come to me, though. Don't walk over here and report. Just go off, you know, go off to the side or whatever, and we'll just keep it going, right? Yeah. What do they do? Came straight to me. <laughs> Not my idea of fun. They come walking over to me and explain the whole thing. That's why I could explain it to you. They explain the whole thing to me. As they're explaining it to me, that guy is staring me down. And not in a nice way like, I want to get to know you, you're a great person. He wants to, so he's staring me down. I'm, I'm going, okay, we'll just stand over there and, you know, just walk over there and, and uh, you know, have a, you know, just, just walk over there. And I got my eye on that guy and he is like looking at me and he's agitated. He's like doing this. He's looking at me and I'm going, oh. I'm, I just held my ground and acted like this guy doesn't exist. 
And so he comes walking right over to me. And I'm standing there, and he goes, So, they had to come to you, did they? And I said, No. So, who are you to them? And I I said, what is it to you? You know, what, you know, what's it to you? I'm not trying to be rude, but what are you, what are you doing this for? And he goes, so I want to, you know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to kick. And he was talking about this part of my anatomy. And he wanted to take this part of my anatomy and spread it all over the uh, uh, 42nd Upstreet, Upstreet, uh, 42nd Street Uptown Platform. All, he wanted to take this part and spread it. He wanted to do it all over. I'm going to kick your... And it was just not, you know, in the vernacular, the way the words... It was not good words. He, just, he was going to do that to me. I'm going to do... And he's, and, you know, swearing at me and all this kind of stuff. And I have a bad thing. Bad thing. I, I got mad. Don't ever get mad in the open air. Not a good thing. I got angry. I looked at him. I did. I got angry. He says, so you think you can take me, can't, don't you? I go, I don't know. I guess I'd have to fight you to find out. I actually said that to this guy. And uh, what a moron I am. You know? And he looks at me and he goes, he's just swearing at me. And I looked at him and I put my finger right in his face. I said, you're not going to touch me unless God gives you permission. And I was praying that God would not give him permission. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what I was praying for. But notice this verse. You know, notice what he tells us. You know, he, he, he puts his, he puts, he's beset behind me and before me, laid his right hand, his thine hand upon me. He protects. He protects. He does this for us. And then we look at verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I can't take it in. I cannot attain unto it. It is too high. I cannot take it in. Well, we looked at his omniscience, his all-knowing. Because oftentimes, am am I supposed to be done? Okay, okay. I saw a hand, you know, evangelics, Evangelists make lousy lifeguards. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that is lifeguards. All right, anyway. Uh, not only does you know, we see the all-knowing God, but the all-present God. The all-present God. This is the beautiful thing. This is so wonderful. And notice what it says in verse 7. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, that's pretty high, you're there. If I make my bed in the grave or Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea. Now think about that. You know, think about that. I think of Louis Zamberini, who broke the record for being shot down. And he spent 47 days in the open sea in the Pacific. 47 days. I mean, that was, Rickover was before that. I mean, but this guy broke that record. You know, you're there. If I, if I even, if, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand 
shall hold me. Yeah, amazing. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness as the light are both alike to thee. Uh, you, you know, we, we think we can get dark. Turn it all off. Get dark. Nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. Wrong. God sees it. God sees it all. Darkness is like light. God sees it. God knows it. And his omnipresence, he's there for us all the time. You know what this means? It means you, can, you can't even run and you can't even hide. You might think you can run, but you can't. You might think, it's like a guy in New York City's Times Square. He, was, he, when he saw this guy, he was walking down Times Square. He sees this guy preaching in the open air with a sketchboard. He couldn't take it. I don't know what his problem was. He just couldn't take it. So what does he do? He leaves the whole area. He just didn't want to hear about it, didn't want to see it. He leaves the area. He goes down to Carolinas, the Grand Strand, and he's thinking everything is fantastic. This is a true story. He's walking around the Grand Strand, and there is, you're not going to believe this, but this happened. He sees a guy with a sketchboard preaching the gospel. He can't take it. He's, <laughs> no, no. And he leaves and goes down to Florida and starts walking the streets of Miami. And guess what? What do you think? Guy with a sketchboard preaching the gospel. Finally, he's just going, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> he trusted Christ as a savior. You can't even run. You know, you can't run and you cannot hide from God. You can't do it. People think they can. People think they're pretty sneaky and pretty, pretty clever at that. You can't do it. You just cannot do it. He is everywhere at once. And so what does that mean for you, young lady? That means he's right with you after this meeting. All the time. He's with you. He's with you when you think you're all alone. That's right. He's there. I mean, think about that. I will never leave you nor ever forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God is there. There's no other. You know, Islam can't even come close to claiming this. Can't even come close. Because another attribute which we're not discussing is the love of God. I'm going to give you a, a, a little thing. You know how, okay, can you, can you name this book? Opening, book, opening line of the book. You name this book? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Dun, 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 dun. Tale of two cities. Right. In the beginning, God. The Bible. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Genesis, right. 66 books. Uh, oh, man. Okay, so... I'm going to give you the best line I have ever heard of the beginning of a book. You ready? The best line, aside from Genesis 1-1. Here it is. Christianity is the only religion that has as its central event the humiliation of its God. 
That's the opening salvo by a guy named Bruce Shelley, who wrote church history in plain language. It's outstanding. See if Tom Marinello has read that book. I'm sure he has. I know Tom. He's a good brother, a very scholarly guy. I'm sure he's read that book. Maybe he was even taught by Bruce Shelley. But that is one of the greatest opening lines of any book, secular, religious, whatever. Christianity is the only religion that has as its central event the humiliation of its God. Islam could never claim that. Buddhism would never claim that. Confucianism would never claim that either. And only Christianity, because Jesus Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross, became a man. Isn't that fantastic? There's no one like him. There is no other. There is no other God. And so, you know, you look at the, he's all powerful. He's omnipotent. And I want you to notice a couple of verses here that will just really, uh, this will really bless your socks right off. And notice verse 16. Your eyes, your eyes, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unformed, and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, and when as yet was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Notice what he says. as verse 18. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. I've done body surfing on both, co- both coasts. Primarily in the West Coast, better waves. But, you know, I've done body surfing there, and I've seen surfers, and I've gone and had lunch there, and I've peanut butter, jelly, and sand sandwiches. You know, and your whole body is, you know, that whole thing is awful. It's just awful. And as I go down to look at, I'm at Malibu, and I look this way, sand. I look down this way, sand. I walk out, sand, 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 sand. You know, and it's all over the place, right? His thoughts about you are as the sand, and his thoughts about you are precious. How many grains of sand make up Malibu? You know, I'm a name dropper. I I really do. I, I name drop. And some of you, I, I actually got to witness to Hugh Carey. Remember him? Former governor of the state of New York. And Jack Lemon got a witness, you know, gave a witness to him and a lot, a lot of other guys. I'm a real name dropper, man. I really tell you right. But I want you to know I know God. How about that for a name dropper? And I want you to know, I wonder, I wonder this. I wonder if God name drops me to the angelic host because he's saying, I know Chris. I know him intimately. Think about that. And the thing about this one is so cool is that we, we had, our sin separates us from God. That's why we feel so estranged from God. But when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior recognizing that we're sinful and that we cannot save ourselves from our own sin. Recognize that Jesus Christ is not a swear word, but a Savior. And recognize that He's God in the flesh, died on a cross, 
shed his blood to wash away my sins, and three days later rise from the dead physically for my, on my behalf, and I trust him like, I'm lean, like you're leaning on the chairs right now, I trust him, lean my whole weight on him as my own personal Savior, I have everlasting life. I know the God who spoke the worlds into existence. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He spoke it into existence. Exonilo, out of nothing. He just said it and it happened. And I know him. And the cool thing is, he knows me. He knows me. So there's no other. How could I ever possibly preach Islam? There's nothing to it. How can I possibly preach any other ism or philosophy apart from Jesus Christ? He's the only one that makes the difference. There is no other. And so when not only I look at this in terms of his omniscience, I'm omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. God can work in my life and is powerful to work in my life and powerful to work in your life more than you could ever imagine. And you know why sometimes we don't see it? Because we don't trust Him. How's that one for you? We just plain don't trust Him. As I read this book, and I've read it a few times, it's a good book, if I read this, I get this overwhelming feeling that God wants to know me more. I mean, me to know about Him more. And to trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. I've been old and I've, I'm young and I was young and now I am old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. How's that one for you? Trust. Will you just trust me? He's telling us that. Just trust me. Because we're not talking about some dead guru. We're talking about a God who is alive and has always been and will always be. I love what it says about Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternal. Isn't that fantastic? And I know him. And this is the great, this is the great God that we have. And there is no other. There is no other. So when I, you know, I ask, you know, when you preach and talk to different peoples all over the, you know, from all over the world of different stripes, different cults, and all this kind of stuff, I got to tell you something. You start going, you know, am I thinking correctly? Is this, is this Jesus the only one? Absolutely. You're thinking correctly. Follow this book. Why, why, why this book? Because eh, you want to make me feel guilty religiously if I don't read it. No, not. Eh. This tells me about how much and who he is, and I can trust him more. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Isn't that great? we got a great God. I know some of you are tired. Join the club. 
I'm tired too. We drove 12 hours yesterday to get here. And Tuesday we're driving 12 hours to get home. You know, God knows all there is to know about me and about you. He knows what you can take and what you can't. His thoughts about you are as the sand of the sea and his thoughts about you are precious. You can trust this God. You can trust. You can trust his word. You can take it, as some one guy used to say, you can take it to the bank. Good idea? Maybe you haven't been. The cool thing about it is you can start now. Again, Father, thank you so much for your word and your love that is is expressed in your word and in the person of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to uh, love you more and help us, Lord God, to serve you more and to trust you more. Lord, dismiss us with your blessing. Protect us, we pray. And ask you, Lord, to help us. In Jesus' name, amen.